What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Eastus Brothers podcast. Today, my brother Bo and I are joined by Brian and Ian Smith, father and son owner of Three Rings Brewery, located in McPherson, Kansas. I'm excited to sit down and talk with these guys about some beer and business and really anything in between. So let's go. All right, guys, here we go. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So, well, good, good. So, we got Brian and Ian Smith here um, with myself, Cody, my brother, Bo, and my dad just decided to join us too, uh, Bob Eastis. So, since we'll probably have some new listeners here, why don't we give a little bit of a rundown, maybe, Bo, on who we are um, and what we bring to the conversation? I'll, I'll go ahead and start first. Um, I'm Cody Eastis, one of the hosts of the Eastis Brothers podcast. And my day job that supports my podcast and hobby and things like that is I'm the owner of Legends Pub and Grill down here in Pratt, Kansas. We're about a we're about a hundred seat restaurant, pretty American style menu, burgers, sandwiches, salads. Uh, but one of the things we do feature and uh, you know pretty proud of is all the craft beer that we feature. I think we've got the most in town and maybe the most of west of Wichita. I don't know. I'll claim that and we can fact check it later. <laughs> but that's uh, that, that's my brief overview. Um, and we can get into that a little bit more as we do some back and forth. But, uh, Bo, uh, why don't you tell everybody a little synopsis of yourself? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bo Eastus, uh, I do marketing and PR for, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's called the Old Mill District. Um, it's uh, restaurants and shops uh, along the Deschutes River here in Bend, Oregon. It's kind of like, uh, like a, little, a mini river walk if you've ever been down to San Antonio. Uh, but part of that is that we also host the Bend Brew Fest. Uh, and if you're familiar with uh, Bend, Oregon at all, or, or craft brewing, uh, you know we're we're, kinda, we're considered one of kind of the, the meccas in North America of craft brewing. In Central Oregon, we've got about 32 different uh, craft breweries. Uh, I also like to drink a lot of craft beer, so uh, I'll, I'll try to throw throw my uh, um, I don't know any, any, anything I've learned along the way living out here in Oregon for the past 19 years. Nice, uh, Dad. You want to give a rundown on on your background well uh i've been in the restaurant business for about 40 years uh always involved in the food in- industry one way or the other uh and uh, what uh i can bring to this conversation is absolutely nothing i i, I know nothing about craft beer it, in, you know in in all honesty it's a concept that i just don't quite get so I'm anxious to learn a little bit here today, and uh, and, and I'm sure that I will. So. Well, good, good. Well, let's get into you guys, Brian and Ian. Uh, give us a little breakdown on, on your story. Well, this is Brian. Um, I actually have a day job, too. I still work for a, one of the largest flour milling companies in the United States, and I'm a regional uh, quality manager there, but I've spent uh, – about 40 years in the food uh, manufacturing business and uh, started uh, home brewing about 10, 11 years ago with Ian. And uh, we opened up our brewery. Uh, it'll be four years in June. And oh, what, what, a, what a fourth year to come on. Yeah. <laughs> Ian, how about yourself? Yeah. So um, I'm the parcel owner, president, brewer. A little bit of everything, only full-time employee, I guess, at Three Rings <laughs> Brewery. Um, I've been professionally brewing for probably 
eight and a half to nine years now, probably. Yeah, that's kind of just a real quick of where how, I'm at now. Huh? How old are you, Ian? Is this something? Have you always done this coming out of college, or did um, you go to college for uh, this? I guess I have. Yes, um, I I am. How old am I? Thirty three. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm thirty three years old, and I started brewing when I was twenty one years old. <laughs> right at 21 not before <laughs> well i think i have i have to say that <laughs> yeah i understand where where'd you go to college at uh k-state i got a degree in food science so um yeah so i went to k-state um i guess a little bit of how i got started brewing was um i was doing um senior trips yeah, you know, you, as a senior in high school, you get certain days where you kind of get to go around and tour colleges and things like that. Mm -hmm. And Dad and I went out. I was pretty sure I was going to go to K-State, but Colorado State also had a food science program. So oh. we're like, hey, let's just go out there, you know, just fun and check it out and, you know, see what it is. And so we went out there and we toured uh, the Anheuser-Busch plant that's out there in Fort Collins. And this is before I knew anything about craft beer, but I was i loved it i loved everything about it it was exactly what i was looking for it had science it was creative it was just a little bit of everything that i wanted to do and so the funny story is i came home and i said dad i i decided what i want to do you know for the rest of my life you know career-wise and he goes oh okay and i said well i want to make beer <laughs> and I don't know if he was, I think he was both uh, proud and kind of taken back a little bit of what I was actually going to say. Um, but then it went from there. I mean, I, I introduced dad basically to, um, to brewing and that's when we started home brewing. Um, I remember, I mean, just growing up, I mean, dad was a, uh, I mean, he would buy a 12 pack of Bud Light bottles every once in a while i mean it it was not very often that it seemed like he would drink beer and now he seeks out the biggest and the boldest and the and the blackest barrel aged stouts you can buy and so it's 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 been fun to watch him change his taste and really get into this craft beer scene with me oh that's awesome yeah. Ian, I'm Ian, I'm curious, was there a, you know, you go out there to, to Fort Collins, was there a specific then brewery that you kind of fell in love with, uh, you know, it was in college or? No, it was, it was that Budweiser tour. That was my uh -huh. first brewery tour. It was, we took the tour and I understand that it's, you know, not craft beer. Again, this was before craft beer. Yeah. I yeah. got started in it, but it was just, you know, it was kind of a big eye-opening moment like this is super up my alley and extremely what i this is what i want to do like this is everything that i'm looking for you know i wanted something that you know was scientific and creative and something that kind of really um i don't know what to say just kind of got your juices flowing i guess yeah, yeah. Made, made hit you, all the senses right yeah made you excited oh, right. to wake up it, and it, do it hit all the buttons i was looking for and, and so this so, and then this was before the craft uh, beer phase really exploded, correct? Oh, really exploded, yeah. This yes, would have been you were in front of it a little bit. This would have been 2004, 2005. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So New Belgium would have been out there then, but we were 
again, we weren't into the craft beer scene, and so right, you bought that from a liquor store. Yeah, yeah. And then it looked like you went on. You uh, started off interning at Boulevard. Is that correct? I did. Yes, I I was I was uh, at the time it was you know a, a senior in college just emailing everybody like I'm here to sweep floors. Just give me a shot. Just get me into your brewery and let me just learn basically i mean i sent i sent applications everywhere i sent applications to a full sale that's there in um they're not in the river the river Oregon. yeah 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 sent them there um all the way to delaware i mean i went coast to coast just sending just trying to get my foot in the door somewhere and boulevard came up with an internship and um you know i went in i went interviewed there and that's a story in itself but let's just say i showed up to I showed up to a brewery interview in a full suit and tie and we <laughs> do things just to do it in a full suit. So. <laughs> but did they appreciate your earnestness though? I don't know yeah. if they did or not. They might've just gone, Oh, look at this guy. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but it was good. I mean, I didn't get it at first, but it was one of those kind of things where I actually called and he's still currently the head brewer at Boulevard. I called him and I said, Hey, I mean, I know I didn't get this, but, um, you know, this is something I really want to do. And you're in the industry, you know, what can I do to make myself more approachable, you know, and people give me a chance. Um, and he talked to me about that a little bit and I said, okay, great. And then he called me the next morning. And he said, you know, I've never had anybody call me back after an interview. He said, so I'll give you, I'll give you some of the internship with another person, the other person we picked. And I said, oh. That's awesome. So that's a great story. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, persistence pays off. So yeah. I did an internship at Boulevard in the quality control lab um, for the summer. And yeah, this was uh, what 2000. This would have been 2004. Oh yeah, two thousand. Yeah, it would have been 2008. And Tallgrass in Manhattan just opened in 2007. And I was going back for my senior year and just said, hey, you know, I'm doing this internship at Boulevard, you know, I really want to do this and I want to get into the industry and I got right in working part-time brewing and um, doing yeast management and quality control. And then once I graduated, I did, I started their uh, Tallgrass's quality control program. Um, I was a full-time brewer, um, yeast management, um, and, and I mean, being employee, I think I was employee number six and just a little bit of everything. I mean, if you remember back to tall grass, I mean, we went through bottles, we went through cans, we went through a whole bunch of different recipes and it's, yeah, it was fun for sure. Especially okay. being 22, 23 years old and, you know, you're already doing what you've you know, your goal is to kind of do and you're making beer and you're in Manhattan, Kansas. Life was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, Ian, can I take you back? I'm curious because you're getting into this, uh, like my dad said, kind of before the real big boom. What was it like taking classes at K State? You know, now there's there's different programs throughout the country where if you want to go into craft beer, I mean, there's there is you know minors and, and focuses for 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 a brewing type of degree. What was it like, though, back in 2004? You know, what, you know, were you really kind of having to patchwork things together thinking, okay, I think this will help me from the business end? 
This will help yeah, with the I mean, science end. I mean, the they didn't really have anything focused on brewing or anything, and and I don't think they still do. Which, I mean, personally, it makes sense that K State would because they have all of that food science and bakery yeah. science and brain science, grain and milling science. I mean, they have everything there. Beer would be would make sense there, but I understand what everything goes into it so um but um no i mean i know there were some like 50 year senior classes that you could take on fermentation but it was just a semester class and i think that was the most of it and you know maybe throughout the semester they you know had a chapter or two on fermentation and like beer production but that was pretty much it wow what, so when did you guys start, uh, you started brewing at home. At what point did you guys say, okay, I think our home brew is pretty good. Let's turn this into a business. Well, as Ian kind of explained, he came home, uh, I think it was his sophomore year of college, and, and told me that, you know, he'd been in the food business and or food science, and he hadn't really decided which kind of direction he wanted to go when he came home and said, I think I want to make beer. I told him, I said, well, I think about my exact words were, I went to college, you just want to drink beer. You don't want to make beer. <laughs> I've been to Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I said, okay. I said, if that's what you think you want to do, let's get online. We'll buy a homebrew kit and we'll start playing around and, and see. And uh, so we started messing around with all kinds of different recipes and different beer styles and uh because of the food background i've had uh my whole life i really started getting into the science and everything uh involved with uh brewing and um so then we probably have been uh home brewing for i don't know four years or so and we started entering our beers into some uh, local competitions and stuff and we were scoring pretty well and so at that point we kind of went gosh, maybe people might be willing to pay money to drink some of this beer. <laughs> and so that was kind of when we first decided, hey, once we kind of find some recipes that we like or the styles we like, let's really focus in on uh, tweaking them to the point where we think uh, it would be a beer that we could market. Uh, Brian, Ian, I I'm curious at that time, were there communities the size of McPherson that had craft breweries and is that something no. you guys looked at when we when we were trying to start get things going the first time I know we we tried a few times to actually you know get the funding and get stuff going and stuff like that um we went down to wichita because we contemplated going to wichita and we would have been um i think the second brewery yeah. there aside from river city wow but, no no, uh, Wichita Brewing had started. I don't know. So uh, maybe, yeah, you're right. They did. They started in their their original location. Yes, yes. that's right. Yeah. Yes. But anyway, yeah. So, um, I mean, we were looking pretty hard at getting started. Um, we just we just again couldn't get the. Uh, we were working with a local bank, and we, they just didn't get the concept. They really didn't. And so uh, we kind of regrouped a little bit. Came back again. Uh, the leadership at the bank changed. Um, a guy retired, and there was a much younger um, guy there. And um, so, I 
the, I think the and, and the craft brewing industry has started to really take off. And so the people involved thought, hey, this might be a good idea. So we were able to get things going at that point. And it looks like once you guys got going, things went pretty fast. I think I read that, you know, you guys opened in April there of 2016 or the spring of 2016, but you guys were already uh, expanding your capacity within about six months or so. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We bought more tanks. Um, yeah. That, that first winter we got uh, two new tanks in. So did, where well, did you start off small then uh, brewing? Yeah. Well, we, and we still, we still have a set, only a seven barrel system. Um, again, <laughs> With my food background, I, I don't feel like you're ever utilizing a piece of equipment uh, fully unless you're running it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So uh, we still got a lot of capacity on a seven-barrel system, yeah. <laughs> in my mind anyway. <laughs> so, Brian, I'm, I'm curious with your food background, what kind of, you know, that experience, you know, what, what kind of benefits has that brought to, to, to the brewery with you having spent decades, you know, in food science well it brought a lot of the understanding of the microbiology that's involved with uh um the brewing uh the sanitation i i think just kind of understanding um how to lay out a facility so you you know how to organize pieces of equipment and things like that so they flow the best way a lot of that kind of stuff For for me, what he brings is uh, just that expertise through many years of just being able to see everything. You know, I can ask him anything and he's like, oh, yeah, I deal. I dealt with this once. Well, that's still one more time than I've ever seen it. And and then just knowing people. I mean, it's, you know, he knows the printer. He knows right. the label makers. He knows just a little bit of everybody. So that really helps out a lot, too. Well, Ian, I, I, and I guess that's my other question is, what is the, you know, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of home brewers out where I live, right? But it's a big jump to go from, from cooking on your stovetop, right, to a fully functioning, successful business. What was that jump like? What were some of the biggest challenges, biggest surprises when, when you made that jump from, you know, home brewer to this is, this is my livelihood. This is, this, you know, this is my, my uh, 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 business that I'm running now. Right. Um. Hopefully I don't come across as arrogant, but I was very no. confident in moving from homebrew to the the big systems and everything because I worked on the big systems. I worked right. at Sawgrass. I did everything. I knew the system that I wanted. I knew how to convert everything. I knew how everything worked. So moving from the stovetop right. to production wasn't. It, it, it didn't make me nervous. It didn't. You know. It was. It was kind of a, it was natural. It was, this is what I know is right. And this is what we're going to get because this is the way we're going to do things. And it was just, it was really a natural movement. Uh, that totally makes sense. Well, and, and I, I think, you know, the breweries that have popped up in the United States over the course of the last 20 years, basically you had either the guys that were already brewing at a different brewery and said, hey, I can do this on my own. And so they went out and they understood all the mass production. Or you had the guys that were home brewing, doing a real great job of it, and said, "Okay, I'm going to take this big time." I think the guys that were just home brewing and decided, "Hey, we're going to go big time," 
they they struggle a little bit in the beginning because they're trying to figure out how to mass produce beer and that whole scaling up is difficult but the advantage we had when we started is ian had already worked in the the big breweries and so even though we really kind of started from the homebrew side we also had that expertise already in the mass production ian could you speak a little bit too um, you know, you had that brewery experience and you also had those brewery connections. And whenever you talk to people in the brewing industry, for the most part, is it is a really collaborative. People are pulling for one another. Uh, mm-hmm. is, that, is that your experience? Is that the case in, in kind of the Kansas brewing industry? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's everybody's willing to help everybody as long as as long as they ask them. I mean, right. nobody is against helping each other out. I mean, we're all doing the same thing together. I mean, it's we're all trying to improve ourselves and kind of just get better beer out to the consumer, you know, kind of all together. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not afraid of asking any other brewers any questions that, you know, or asking for advice, and I'm not afraid to or hesitant on giving them advice that they would ask. You know, Oh, oh go ahead, go ahead. I was going to jump in there, Bo. That that's something that I find interesting that differs, you know, a lot from the restaurant business to the, you know, kind of the same. We're all business owners, but you don't see that in the restaurant industry, you know, as much as the, you know the collaborations or the hey, I want to help you out. Or I think the sentiments there, but there's a lot of competition, and that competition seems to be a little more maybe not fierce, but yeah, the the when the brewing came on the scene, that was one of the things that always really surprised me was just how how open armed everybody was with taking you know other businesses in and say hey you want to do a collaboration or you know you want to do this and that yeah. and everybody's promoting everybody which which is a lot different than you know on my end with the you know we've got other restaurants in town or, or whatnot and and it's yeah it's competitive you know you don't mm-hmm. get that same camaraderie that you do among breweries I've always find mm-hmm. that a, an interesting aspect of it yeah I I think I can I'll speak for Dad here I think he was a little surprised getting into the beer industry from his food background and everything like that just seeing you know how close we can be and just how you know open everybody is oh you know what kind of hops do you put in here okay here i'll tell you i mean we don't maybe get specifics but i mean it's still we're still here to help everybody and there is competition but there's still room for everybody right and Ian, is a lot of that, it's craft brewery is, you know, you guys are still chipping away as popular as craft brewing has become, right? Craft brewing mm-hmm. is still a small, is it seven, eight percent, you know, segment of the, of the, of the, of beer sold in the United States, right? right. It's right. Everybody craft is still cracking away at, Bud, you know, Budweiser, Coors, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the big beer giants, right? And so there's right. that kind of a us versus them mentality a little bit. Mm-hmm. What's been the, what's been the biggest uh, the hurdle fighting those the big giants the Anheuser's and whatnot? Is it distribution? Well, Is it? Well, well, I'm gonna tell you right now. I can't talk too badly about them because we currently <laughs> are through the uh, Kansas Craft Alliance, and so we're going through the Anheuser Busch houses. Um, and, and we chose that because uh, Anheuser Busch has the best distribution. Right. I mean. They're all over the country, and they do the best job, and they know they know what they're doing, and so that's what we want to be a part of. The challenge I see in the state of Kansas, particularly, 
is that you don't see a lot of the big uh, restaurants or bars or stuff that have 20 or 30 taps. I mean, the, the places like that are very few. Hmm. And, uh, and so most of the places you go into are in small towns and they have three or four, maybe five taps. Well, they're going to put on Bud Light oh, and Coors Light, and they're going to put on uh, Bud Heavy and Coors, and then you might have one one tap that they might give craft beer, and then that's going to probably be Boulevard or uh, like Fat Tire or something like that. So it's it's really tough, and so I mean. We really appreciate places like Legends and Pratt because, I mean, they're supporting a lot of great craft beer, and that's very rare in the state of Kansas. Yeah, that's, you know, and when we started, I was in that same boat uh, probably, you know, we opened up in 2008, and, you know, I, my craft beers that I considered craft, I'm giving air quotes here, um, were Shock Top, Fat Tire, Boulevard Wheat. And uh, maybe Blue Moon, you know, those were my craft beers. And then after things started evolving, uh, you know, I don't carry any of those on draft now. It's all, you know, things from from you guys or Walnut River or WBC or Salt City or, you know, just all the, I try to get as many of the Kansas, you know, I consider all the Kansas ones local since we don't have any mm-hmm. local breweries sure. here in Pratt. But, you sure. know, as many, as many of the Kansas breweries as I can put on tap, um, I, you know, I, I do carry the Bud Light and Ultra, but other than those two staples, you know, my other nine taps are, are dedicated to, you know, to craft beers. Mm-hmm. Cody, I'm curious, when, when you made that switch, right, that conscious decision, was it because were customers clamoring for more craft beer, or was it you saying, you know what, this is the direction I want to go, and then if people uh, latched onto that and appreciated that, and kind of, you've kind of had to push them that way. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was more me, you know, I just got, I had gotten into craft beer more at that time. So I, I wanted to, you know, bring that to Pratt also, uh, you know, like I said, my, my evolution to craft drinking was probably like everybody else's, you know, you kind of start, you didn't like IPAs and then you kind of started liking them and, and then just the more the rabbit hole of craft beer that I went down, I will, you know, I own a restaurant, so why not provide that for everybody else too? Dad, have you seen dad, what, what kind of craft brew do you serve? You've got a little bit older clientele, I think, right, that typically in Cody's place? Yeah, we only have one tap down there dedicated to craft beer, and I can't even tell you what's on it right now. But uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of a, you know, it, it's, it's not a, as prolific in my business, uh, the request and the demand uh, for that kind of uh, uh, product as, you know, some of the, my crowd's a little older. They're probably not quite as uh, sophisticated, you know, uh, in the craft beer industry as you guys are. So, uh, but I, I do think if I had more tap uh, handles down there, I offered more, I'd sell more of that. But, you know, uh, to the point, uh, I think uh, that I, I believe that Brian was making earlier about uh, not many places in uh, western Kansas or Kansas, you know, have more than four or five uh, uh, tap handles. Is that the right term? It, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's kind of a, an, uh, an inventory issue, you know, inventory is dollars and, you know, take the craft beer out of the, uh, liquor industry and, and still the, the, the big guys have, you know, so many 
uh, different beers they're throwing at you and pushing at you all the time. You just can't carry everything. So, you know, you have to uh, narrow down and and focus in on, you know, what you move the most, what's got the best margins in it, and, uh, you know, what your customers want. And that's that's what I sell. You know, Cody sells what he wants. I I sell what the customers want. So. <laughs> yeah, that's probably so, pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, I think that probably, in a nutshell, <laughs> describes a lot of the differences in our places. But uh, uh, I'm probably like that banker that just didn't get your concept earlier, you know. Uh, like I said, I grew up when there was Bud and Coors, and, and that was fine, and that was plenty. But, uh, you know, I recognize the the evolution that this – concept is taken and i know i'm behind the curve uh you know when it comes to uh realizing maybe the the potential that it has you know but that that's just well, my generation you know and and it's, it's honestly i think the market that i'm in uh, so hey, cody could i jump in like you wouldn't it's it's made business sense for you though right like you wouldn't still be doing it you know if it didn't make business sense it's more than just personal interest right yeah, you know, at first it was just personal interest and you know, I had a lot of not a lot of but I had some blowback of, yeah, where'd the blue moon go? Where'd the shock top go? You know, and I'd say, Well, hey, I've got a good, you know, Belgian white here from you know, from a maybe a brewery you haven't heard of. Or, yeah, where's the where's the wheat beer? And it's like, Well, here's a wingman wheat from, you know, aeroplanes or something. They're not around anymore, but uh you know, just yeah, I was trying if there was a wheat beer out there that I normally carried on tap, I wanted to have one that was a local wheat beer. Or if there was a you know, and even boulevard, I I guess I consider them local, but you know, they're big enough now that you know, I was still trying to do a lot more of the of the little guys, you know, that were still trying to get their stuff out there. Not that they're little guys, but yeah, if there was, you know, if I wanted an IPA, you know, I could I could get Goose Island IPA on tap, but it was a lot more fun to have Vertigo or, you know, High Beam right. or yeah, V six or something like that. And though I was supporting supporting the Kansas guys. And I think eventually right. that eventually that caught on, you know, the craft beer scene even, you know, you get people come in and it's almost like, you know, Kansas barbecue. You want to know where it's, where it's from or what, you yeah. know, you want to know the story behind the beer, you know, and, and those, the big name beers, you know, they don't have that story. You know, I think that's what sets apart the craft beer industry is when you can, someone ask, where's that beers from, you know, and I can say, oh, that's from McPherson. The guys out of three rings make that, you know, and there's a little bit of backstory to it. Uh, so there's just a little more personal connection with craft beer. And I think that's what, you know, my generation they like to they like to have that little story when they buy something, you know. So there's a little bit more personal touch to it. That's sure. just my opinion. Brian Ian, how do you guys how do you guys reach out to the the Cody Eastises in Sterling or Hoisington or Hayes, you know, or, or Great Bend, and and get you know get them to try your product and to get the, your product on on their tap handle. Well, I mean, there's there's a number of ways that we, I mean. Just recently, within the last year, we uh, hired a part-time salesperson, and we send him out uh, periodically. Right now, we haven't gone out for a while because right, right. everybody's closed up. But um, but before that, I mean, we really rely a lot on our uh, the, the distributors, mm -hmm. and um, what we would really um, rely on a lot is like beer events. Um, they have like brews on the bricks and haze or uh, a beer event in Wichita. And we go out there and we just uh, sample our products. And a lot of times there'd be restaurateurs that would come out and, and try those things. If they're kind of looking to 
uh, try some new stuff and they'd come to those events and they'd check things out. And I, I think our products spoke for itself at that point, if you get it, and that's what those events are about is getting your product um, tasted by people and hopefully it'll speak for itself. And and then those people will ask the distributors, hey, I had this great beer at an event and I was wondering if I could put it on tap. That was awesome. And what what is you guys' distribution footprint? Are you guys all across the state of Kansas? You guys, Nebraska, Missouri, Oklahoma? Where where all are you guys? Where all can people get your beer? We're we're, we're strictly in the state of Kansas right now, and basically, um, roughly, if you went uh, west of the Turnpike, mm-hmm. um, we're in Wichita, Lawrence, Topeka, Manhattan. Uh, not in Kansas City yet, and not down in southeast Kansas, like in Pittsburgh, Chanute, in that area. Yeah. But we're probably covering a good two-thirds to three-quarters of the, the state. Well, and, and I know this it's, it's impossible to ask, you know, questions for the future right now with the with COVID-19. <laughs> but before but before all this hit, you know, when you guys were looking at where we where where you wanted to be in a year, where you wanted to be in five years, you know, what were those plans like? You know, where was it expanding that footprint? Was it was it amping up production? Was it moving to a tin barrel system? What were you guys talking about? So I think what we were talking about was we wanted to get our, our new tap room going, which it was, and now it's still kind of going to an extent. Um, but we really wanted to do that. That's kind of the way craft breweries have really been moving. Um, I mean, that's kind of, you know, where we make a little bit more is mm-hmm. you know instead of sending it to a distributor who pays for our beer and then the you know the bar buys our beer and then they sell it to the consumer just come buy it from us and so that's really what we were focusing on and we're still focusing on um we want to we wanted to get a uh, one barrel pilot system to do cool. just one-off beers to serve at the tap room i mean again because of what's going on i mean that's kind of put a wrench into things but i mean that's still the goal to get a little pilot system and do five kegs or so worth of, you know, basically whatever we want and see how people like it or, you know, kind of pull people in from like that. Say, hey, you know, there's only a certain amount of beer here. You should come get it while you can. Um, so I think our year goal was to just keep going with that tap room and that patio concept as well as staying um, steady on the distribution side. Um, Five-year plan. Um, <laughs> stay, stay alive. I can barely think ahead till tomorrow. Well, right. <laughs> um, kind of going a little bit farther down the road. I mean, we really wanted to, um, and we still do. I've, obviously, I think things are just changing, and probably the timetable is going to be a little bit uh, longer than we expected. But expanding our capacity uh, with the seven-barrel system right now and then going into the rest of the state of Kansas. I mean, there's an awful lot of Kansas to still cover. I mean, a lot of population density to cover yet. And and we really haven't pushed. I mean, our distributors doing a good job in Wichita, but we haven't sent our salespeople into Wichita at all yet. So, I mean, there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of more opportunity in Wichita, which is the second largest population center in the state of Kansas. And so, I think the state of Kansas, there's a, a great deal of growth that we can still uh, take care of. I think um, past that point, we've always kind of talked about moving north, uh, maybe going to like Nebraska and the Dakotas. 
Um, actually, I read an article where I think North Dakotans drink more beer per capita than just about anybody in the entire United States. So, but there's just not a lot of people there. <laughs> After Alaskans, every Alaskan I know likes to drink a lot. Right. <laughs> Wisconsin, Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, on the topic of distribution, guys, when the you know when that law changed last year that allowed uh, you know grocery stores and things like that to open up their shelves to beers like yours, uh, right. did you guys jump into that or who approached oh, yeah. who? Did you guys approach Kroger, you know, and, and stores like that, or did did they approach you? Uh, no, that, that was really kind of a cool story too. We about a that happened last April. It was probably a year. A little over a year before that, um, the, the state had passed the law, but it wasn't going into effect then until like a year and a half later. Um, there was actually somebody, and I don't remember names, but there was there was somebody from uh, Kroger that had had a friend of theirs bring them some vertigo for a party or something. Mm-hmm. And that that guy that worked for Kroger actually contacted us and said, hey, when this law comes out, he goes, I want your beer in, in Dillon's. Awesome. And so, hey, and so, can you guys explain, can you guys explain that law? If we have people from, that aren't from Kansas listening to this, what, what exactly was that law? Okay. The, the law, uh, in the state of Kansas, you could not buy beer in a grocery store, a convenience store, or anything like that, that was over 3.2% alcohol. Right. Um, any beer over 3.2% alcohol ha- had to be sold in a liquor store, in a liquor store only. So what changed is then in April of 2019, as we were able to sell up to now 6% alcohol. Now, we still can't sell. Um, as an example, we have two winter seasonals that are both over uh, 7%. And we can't sell either one of those in the, in the grocery store. It still has to only go through liquor store distribution. But um, it went to 6% in April of 2019. And we get went from zero to over 50 Dillons overnight. Wow. Did you, did you guys have to, can. yeah, did you guys have to change any of your recipes just to get into those, uh, we, those we shelves? Changed, we, we did change our vertigo. Our vertigo was actually about, uh, 6.3% alcohol, and we did uh, adjust the uh, alcohol content down just slightly, so it was just a hair under 6%. And, and all that really means is we took maybe 30 pounds of grain out, so it really wasn't anything major. Yeah, no no quality change. Yeah, no change in quality. Right. Oh, that's I, yeah, I thought that was a great opportunity for, you know, craft beers across the state to yeah, that's just that many more shelves you can get on. What you know, one of the things that I find interesting here, and I talked to Ian about it a little bit earlier today when we were talking, was was handles. Uh, when we were talking about them, and you know, you guys make custom handles. A lot of breweries don't do it. I don't know if it's because of, you know, expenses or if it's just not one of the things on their back burner. Uh, but I think having a handle that is unique is so important to selling a new beer. You know, I feature. I'll feature nine different craft beers. And if I've got three of them, they just have a standard generic can wrap. Those are a lot harder to sell than if I've got a cool wooden, you know, tap like you guys make or a copper pole like, you know, WBC makes. Or um, I, I was curious your thought process in, in building your own handles or, you know, if that was something you guys really focused on or just decided to do to do it. 
I mean, oh, that was one of the things I always thought was a, a because I, I travel a lot with my day job. And that's one thing I always do when I go into a restaurant is that the first thing I'm going to look at is I'm going to look at the uh, their uh, tap tower and see what they got on tap. And I always thought that those tap handles are something that draw people's attention to, okay, well, what's that? Exactly. That's interesting. And so it was always our intent to get custom tap handles always was from the very beginning. And I think it's part of the whole entire marketing plan. I mean, you want to make something that stands out to the consumer that goes from the tap handles all the way down to our cans. I mean, I think our cans are very well designed. Um, by the way, they're all designed in McPherson, Kansas. Yeah. I was going to ask who does your, is that local design? Yes, it is. The company called Adelaide. In McPherson, yes. they do an awesome job. Awesome job. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just that whole that whole thing, you know. It's, I mean, how many you've gone to liquor stores? How many beers are there? I mean, you want to get somebody to stop and say, "Oh, I've never seen that before." You want to catch catch their eye a little bit just to get them to get you to try it. So, I mean, from the labels all the way to the tap handles, it's just kind of that marketing play of just, you know get something that will catch somebody's eye. Right. And yeah, a lot of people will stop at the tap handle. They'll put the marketing, you know, into the, into the label, but the tap handle they don't have. And I've always thought that's, that's what people are seeing when, when I've got nine beers on tap, what's setting yours apart from the other eight, you know, it's going to be your handle, right. you know, right. right. On that too, on the uh, marketing note too, I thought I read where you guys named all of your beers after is it classic rock songs. Is that right? Well, it's just, it's just songs. So it's basically it's basically Dad and I sitting down here in the basement where we are now and drinking beer and listening to music and going, oh, that would be a good name for a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear some stories about how some of these beer names come out then. Um, well, it was, I don't know if there's a whole lot of stories about it. It's just, it's, it's a lot of them have been real funny. I've just been... I can remember when we were when we really had kind of finalized Yankee Rose. I, obviously, we didn't know what we were calling it. And I get out and run in the mornings. And I can remember running one morning, and I had my headphones on, and this David Lee Roth song comes on called <laughs> Yankee Rose, and I was like, "Oh, that would be a killer name for a blonde ale." Yeah. And, let, and I will clarify: we named the beers after songs. We don't try to make beers after song. Right. We'll listen to the song and go, that would make a great beer. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, the other one that really stands out to me is uh, Grand Illusion. We are trying to figure out a name you know, for our spring seasonal. It's a New England IPA. So, I mean, it, it has a lot of hot flavor, but it's not as bitter as a regular IPA, which is the style. So we're like, well, we kind of want to bring it across as like something that not really what you think it was because you know again we're kind of trying to educate the kansas beer drinker and their first thought on an ipa is oh my gosh it's going to be bitter and ah, i hate ipas well new england ipas as you probably know have this great hop flavor but it doesn't have any of that bitterness so it's it's an ipa and it's called an ipa but it's really not an ipa it's right. so yeah, not and Ian called one day. No, because... I, it, for some odd reason, I was 
driving and I just off the top of my head remember I was reading something on Twitter where when the Nashville Predators were playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs, they had it wasn't Dennis Young, it was the other guy. Tommy Shaw. Tommy Shaw. Tommy <laughs> Shaw showed up and played like the national anthem or something. I was like, Tommy Shaw, what a random person to get in to play the national anthem. I was like, you know, I love sticks. Let's listen to some sticks. And I played <laughs> and I played Grand Illusion in my truck and I went, This is it. <laughs> hey, I got a name, Grand Illusion. Yes. That's good. Well, and then kind of another funny, almost the exact same thing happened. We were struggling like crazy to come up with a name for our summer seasonal, which is a raspberry goza. And we could not come up with a name. And I was throwing names at Ian, and he's like, oh, no, I didn't like anything. And I'm driving to the brewery in my truck one Saturday morning. And Love Shack comes on. And I'm like, this would be great. And I texted Ian. I said, what about Love Shack? And he's like, yes. Yeah. yeah. We, was, we, host, we hosted B, the B-52s at our amphitheater last summer. And That's they, nice. they still rock. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> They're still yeah. really weird. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's really, not, there's really not much thought that goes into it. It's just, it's just it kind of hits you sometimes. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Well, hey, guys, we're, we're talking about beers and seasonals. I, I, w- I want you to talk about your Reformation series a little bit because I'm, I'm definitely the barrel-aged guy. And, okay. uh, and I, I'm looking at the, you know, the thesis, too. Uh, I'm looking at uh, you know, the descriptions of some of these beers. Tell me a little bit about the, the thought process behind these and the inspiration and, and what, uh, um, you know, I don't know, what, what makes these beers special? Well, and – the Reformation series, I mean, we really haven't talked about the, the name of the brewery itself, Three Rings Brewery, but it, it goes back to some ties with Martin Luther. And, of course, Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses on the, uh, the original you know, Wittenberg Church. Yeah. And so we thought, you know, we, you know, you have the Smokestack series and all these other breweries had all these neat uh uh names for kind of these one-off beers or these specialty beers. And we thought, well, man. We should call ours the Reformation Series. It kind of ties into the name of Three Rings. And, and we have 95 of them to work with. That's right. So we're <laughs> getting started. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so anyway, so um, as Ian mentioned earlier, I mean, I really have just been an absolute lover of barrel-aged beers. And so I've always wanted to barrel-aged beers. And so um, we decided most of our – and it's not a – fast rule that every reformation series beers is going to be a barrel aged it's just kind of turned out that way but um you know i always like whiskey barrel uh barrel aged beers and so um ref, uh, actually uh thesis one was a double ipa that we put uh birchwood chips in which we oh, need wow. to make again because I, I think that beer that was still kind of really when we were getting our feet wet and that beer could probably come out a lot better this time than it did the first time. But uh, then we uh, went with a uh, smoked uh, Imperial stout for uh, thesis two. Uh, then thesis three was uh, we took our broadsword, which is our one of our winter seasonal still. Um, it's a scotch ale. And mm-hmm. we aged that in whiskey barrels, and that's still probably, in my opinion, the best beer that we've made. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it's just really really good. 
Um, and then thesis four, um, we, we, we have a, a kind of a partnership with Sand Hills Brewing in, uh, in Hutchinson. The uh, head brewer there called me one day and he said, uh, hey, I can get my hands on some tequila barrels. And I was like, huh, yeah, <laughs> we'll do that. And so I thought, okay, let's put an IPA in a, a tequila barrel. I have no idea what it's going to turn out like, but let's do it. So we put our vertigo in a uh, tequila barrel, and then we took our, uh, it, for thesis four, and then thesis five, we took our Yankee Rose and put it in a tequila oh, barrel. Thesis six. It sounds like he's on the website looking. I think we missed one. No. And then <laughs> thesis six was, and then again, same guy, no. uh, Hippin Williamson calls me up and he says, hey, I got a Cabernet barrel. I go, oh, that, that, I, think that's right. I was like, yeah. he goes, you want it? And I was like, yeah. And I said, let's put Yankee Rose in a Cabernet barrel. And we did that. And let yeah. it sit for two months. And yeah. And, and it's, and you know, it's, it's a terrible job, but you put those, you have no idea how they're going to come out. But you have to test them about every two weeks just to see if they're ready or not. And, and that's I'm glad you brought that up because thesis six was, you know, our Yankee Rose in this fresh Cabernet barrel, which turned out really, really nice. But then we decided to make more because it went over so well, but the barrel got funky on us. Oh, it, wow. It got some Britannomyces in it. And so now our thesis six farmhouse, S, the farmhouse beer now, right? <laughs> our thesis six S is the same beer, except it's got a little bit of that Britannomyces in it. So, which I am a big fan of. Yeah, I'm not a big fan, but Ian loves it, so we keep it. Yeah. So we keep it, yeah. But yeah, Guys, it, it, it will continue to do that. I know one beer that we've really been talking a lot about that we want to make is a uh, coconut porter aged in rum barrels. Mm -hmm. So I know we want to do that. We want to go back and, and make some of these others again. I mean, we've had a lot of people come back and ask for the Thesis three, which was the Scotch Ale in a whiskey barrel so I mean, we'll keep playing around for I mean, sure. there's a lot of different barrels out there too that people are trying to sell us if i can we have the spaces and we can afford them i'd love to put you know just get random i mean they're selling uh cognac barrels they're selling wow. yeah, maple syrup barrels they're selling i mean you can i mean it's just everywhere and so i'd love to just get little things like that just to see how stuff turns out i mean yeah. just that experimentation and that creativity just is fun. And, and guys, are those like the Reformation series? Is that just available on tap at the, yes. at the brewery? Well, yeah. well, we we did we did actually make some labels, so we were gonna, we're probably going to can a little bit of it, but those cans will still only be available at the brewery. We probably won't do any distribution on that. If we do distribution, it'll be very limited. Cool, Co, yeah. Dad, you guys have what what else you got? I don't know. Uh, Dad took off about 20 minutes ago. Oh. <laughs> He's like, tell everybody bye. Dropped I'm going to go home and cook some supper. Typical dad. <laughs> just a, or, yeah, a silent exit. <laughs> the, the, the Irish goodbye, huh? Yeah, yeah. No, he was like, oh, he, no, he, he had a lot of fun. This is the first time he's ever done anything like this. I didn't think he was going to show oh, up. I'd mentioned it to him earlier in the night. It's like, hey, we're going to be doing a podcast with the guys from, you know, Three Rings and Bo. And, and yeah, he popped out out here. I didn't think he was. He's like, that's funny. He's like, I just don't know anything about craft beer, though, so I'm going to go home. <laughs> I, I said, it sounds like we need to educate him a little bit. I think so. I think it's just a generational thing. Like he was saying, 
you know, and like you guys were talking about earlier with the, you know, your banker not getting the concept and he kind of related to that also. He doesn't get that concept. When we started getting into craft beer here, you know, he didn't get it. You know, he, his business, he's a steakhouse and he's got the old cattle farmers and, uh, you know, that, yeah, they want scotch and whiskey. And, you know, if he gets somebody come in asking for an IPA, they're, they're kind of the oddball, Uh, you know, where me here. It's the a completely different demographic, which is odd being in a town of five thousand. That that my clientele is so much different, but it is. Uh, but yeah, so he like he said, I I sell what sells, and I sell what I want to sell. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and that's kind of funny that you talk about that because we have people come in from time to time and ask us about whether we're going to make a this or that beer, and Ian and I both always tell them, well, it's our brewery. And we're going to make beers we like. Right. And, yeah. Right. And depending on what it is, some of those beers that they suggest are like, we don't like those beers, so we're not going to make them. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm curious, though, too, though, you know, like I said, I've worked with, you know, dad and I are both co-owners of my business and, you know, kind of that father-son dynamic. Well, it, it, it's, honestly, I, I feel very fortunate because I have had a lot of, a number of people tell me, um, friends of mine and everything that said, Hey, you know what? It's really cool that you can have a business with your son. He could, they say, because there's no way I could work with my son. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, every once in a while we have a few little tense things, but overall it's worked out really well. I mean, we kind of each have our things that we do. I mean, I more of the finance, I pay the bills. Um, I, I actually do a, a lot of the, recipe development ian's the guy that makes sure that the the beer tastes the same the uh from batch to batch every time it's exactly the same which he does a great job of he runs the day-to-day operations um so we've kind of each got of our little niches that we're doing within the business and i mean we get along pretty well anyway that's Um, good what i'm curious and What's the biggest I told you so between the two of you? You know, where you, where you both had different ideas on the same subject, and then whenever it panned out, one of you was like, I told you so. In a broader sense, I mean, Dad is older. I'm not going to say wiser, but he's older than <laughs> But he tend to me at least, he tends to freak out a little bit more than I do. I tend to be a little bit more... Uh, laid back when I, I he, probably, he, he doesn't, in my mind, it seems like he doesn't care so much. Yeah. That's, that's probably how I come across. Yes. But definitely more laid back. You know, dad is more like, wow, we're either in really big trouble or we've got to get this figured out. And I'm more like, Hey, it's going to work out. Right. Don't There's always time out. to recover. I would say in general, that's probably that's our fine. biggest headbutt. That's probably true. Yeah, I think that's a good, good. Uh, so nothing specific, yeah. but oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. especially hey. especially during times like now, like holy cow, how are we gonna make money? Like, are we gonna send out enough beer, you know, that we can even still stay yeah. around, or are we gonna stay open? You know, and Dad's worrying about this, which he needs to. And I'm sitting back here going, it'll be okay. It'll be fine. It, <laughs> well, that's a yeah, that's an interesting discussion to go down. Were you gonna jump in there, Bo? Well, you know, um, I I think that's a whole other discussion. I was going to ask more of like a macro level. I'm just curious where they see what kind of beer, what kind of craft beer trends they're seeing. But I I think the the COVID-19 thing is a 
is a fascinating subject. Yeah, we haven't well. even touched on that yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh. and I am all my, in my thought, I'm listening to a lot of podcasts now working from home. I'll totally listen to a three hour podcast. Like I think more content, the better. <laughs> well, that's, what's been great so far. I don't think I've found one spot that we're going to have to edit. Like this has just been a good conversation. So everybody's doing great. No, on the, on the COVID thing though, and you mentioned the different perspective, Ian, you know, of you and your dad, um, I've seen the same thing for my dad. He's freak. He's freaking out a lot more on the, I, I think just the financials of it. Uh, you know, he's worked his whole life. He's, he's, he's built up a business. And now he's getting told you have to shut it down. I'm looking at it more right. from a health aspect. Like I've got time to recover, right. I think, is the way I view it. You know, this right. isn't going to cripple me or crush me. Um, I, I don't feel the pressure financially that, that I'm being strapped with, you know, by having to lock my doors and go to carry out and curbside only. It, it mm-hmm. stinks. I mean, my sales have dropped probably 90%, but I, I'm cool. still able to wrap my head around the fact that you know what? As long as I have my health, I'm okay. Where I think that right. that generation that my dad and maybe Brian, you as well, um, you've worked for that your whole life, and and to think that now you're taking that away, like that's more important than than health, and maybe not. Uh, just uh, that's an interesting topic. Yeah, it, I mean, for me, I think what it comes down to is we have the luxury of distribution, which a good amount of breweries in Kansas don't have right now. Right. Um, I mean, liquor stores are still open, grocery stores are still open, and we have to still have to supply them. And so we're still sending beer out the door, and we're still getting checks monthly. That's great. You know, it's not like we're completely shut down, or we're just completely depending on our tap you know, room. Half, half our, you know, fifty percent cut in our tap room. We're still pushing beer out the door. We're still working and making beer. And to me, that gives us a little bit better position than some other breweries, unfortunately. But that also kind of goes to, you know, hey, you know, we're still pushing beer out. People are still paying us. We're still able to do things that we want to do. It, it's going to be it's going to be OK. Well, and, and again, it, it's it's kind of one of those things. I think I mentioned it at the very beginning. I mean, uh, things could be worse. They yeah, absolutely right. could. But they could also be a lot better. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Hey, Ian, Brian, can I ask that? And, and so that really intrigued me. You know, we've we've got a lot of breweries up here. Brian, you mentioned Boneyard, which is honestly, it's probably the most popular brewery in Bend. They've just went to canning uh, within the last two weeks, and they've been open for seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, was that what what? And because that's a, that's a big upfront cost, right? To can or bottle. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, was that something from, from the get-go that you guys knew you wanted to can and bottle uh, to di- for distribution? or And it's paid off, right? But I, I guess I'm just curious, as far as the business plan, what, uh, well, why did you guys decide to go that route pretty early on uh, within the life of your business? Well, and we really approached this business as we talked to brewers over the course of the time that we've been open. I think our business plan was a little different than every most other breweries uh Mm -hmm. most other breweries will go with like a tap room first and then they'll go to distribution and then maybe go to packaging uh we actually started with distribution wow Uh, it started with kegs only and then we were selling growlers uh out of the the brewery itself and then uh 
about a year, a little more than about 16 months after we opened, we went ahead and uh, started canning. It was always something we wanted to do. Um, we always had determined, I mean, very early on that we were going to go with cans rather than bottles. Um, and again, that kind of fell back on Ian's experience with tall grass because they'd done both. Nice. And, uh, and then, um, and then again, we just kind of really opened it. We opened an outdoor patio last April, and then we opened an indoor space, the tap room in January. Um, and that went real well for the first two months. <laughs> Everything got <laughs> shut down. Um, but uh, so we're kind of gone about it a little bit backwards compared to most other breweries, but it's worked out. And, uh, you know, the, the packaging is something that, again, that we always wanted to do. Um, and and the canning aspect of it as well. So, I mean, we well, never really looked at bottles. Well, Ian, it, it, it sounds like, again, though, that's that's the benefit of you working for for, for two breweries beforehand. Right. And, and seeing the pluses and minuses of of, of of that kind of distribution and the pluses and minuses of cans versus bottles. Right. Um, right. But I'm very much more in depth with the canning at Tallgrass. I was just kind of, you know, uh, you know put six packs together kind of a guy i never really ran the canning line and then we got the canning line and i discovered how much of a pain in the ass it can be <laughs> well, and, and very honestly from my standpoint as a food safety person having a machine that's running glass that can break is to me just scared the hell out of me so i didn't want glass anywhere close to anything that we're doing and so the cans always made sense to me from that aspect is just you know having that risk of a bottle breaking and then, that makes sense you know it, it just it was a terrible uh, the situation could get real bad so i thought the cans were a lot safer option as well uh, but and, and, and the beauty right those cans have become in vogue in the last two three years right i mean no light gets in right they last longer you can take them on hikes and on the river and whatnot right, right? sure, sure. Right. Uh, cody you were talking about i mean just kind of the current economic situation right uh the how how businesses are handling COVID 19 right now yeah i think everybody's handling a little differently um you know we're just trying yeah we're shut down to curbside and delivery only um you know the thing with our industry with the restaurant industry and not speaking for a whole but we're, we've lost so many employees through this um we had a lot of employees here at the college and once they shut it down, they all had to go home. Most of my employees were part-time employees. I didn't have a lot of full-time employees. So some of them had to go get other part-time jobs, you know, at the local Walmart or whatnot. And so it's been hard trying to get them back from some of those other jobs that they've went and gotten. You know, we're, we're ready to open May 3rd. If that's the case, if that date sticks, I hope it does, but we're still, we're going to be rehiring and retraining and it's going to be a, it'll be a slow crawl out of this. I think, uh, I hope the business is there. I think it will be, but there's still a lot that, you know, a lot, lot to do once we get the doors back open. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think it's going to be a real slow climb out uh, for restaurants and stuff that people are just going to start feeling it's going to take a while for everybody to feel comfortable going back out and eating and that kind of stuff. So I think our, our draft business is it's going to take a while for that to recover. Yeah, I, I agree. Our tap room, I think, and I, I think and hope that it, it's going to be more of a, a V shaped recovery. You know, you just, we've hit the bottom and it's going to bounce right back up to where it was. I mean, 
we had this food truck, as Ian mentioned earlier uh, today, for the first time in six weeks since this whole thing started. And uh, I mean, it was really great. I mean, and everything was still uh, carry out, but uh, it was just amazing. It, I'm just guessing everybody just was sick of being inside and they wanted to go and do something. Yeah, so I get it. Get yeah. some food. And so, um, and then that drives our business because uh, the people come in and, you know, grab a few sandwiches and then they grab a six pack of beer or a growler or something and then uh, go home. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I've touched on. I don't know if it was one of our earlier podcasts or maybe that fundraiser we were doing, but just the, the beauty and the benefit of the small community and how much it rallies around, you know, their yeah. local businesses. Yeah. We've seen so much, you know, pay it forward that it, you know, it, sometimes it chokes you up Think you know, when someone orders a $20 cheeseburger and they leave you a $20 tip or a, you know, yeah. it's just, it's been overwhelming, you know, the response that, you know, Pratt and the citizens and the community have, you know, said, we want to help, you know, you've, you've pumped 10 years of goodwill back into the community sponsoring ball teams and, and mm -hmm. schools and this and that. And, you know, and I, I hate to ask for help and, you know, everybody's hesitant to do it, but you know, in times like this, you have to, and, and when you do, and, and you see the response that you get from, from your community, it's, it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty neat. No. And you know, one thing, uh, a little bit, uh, that we struggle with, I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, you deal with what the cards you're dealt, but, um, in the state of Kansas, uh, we can't, I don't know if it's different, uh, Bo, where you are in Oregon, but we, we can't do delivery. We're uh, not allowed to take beer more than 50 feet away from the front door of our, our business. Yeah. Wow. Tell them about so, your bike ride the other day, Bo. So I, so I told, so I told Cody this, I'm getting ready to go on a bike ride. And so I called Boneyard, which is, which is probably my favorite brewery in the universe right now. Right. And I say, and they've got a, they've got a cheeseburger and a, and a six pack. They're doing deliveries. And I say, Hey, I'm going to go on a bike ride. You know, I'm going to be gone by the time you guys close. Would you guys deliver this uh, and just leave it on my front door? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. So I go on like a two hour bike ride. I come back and there's a cheeseburger fries and a six pack of incredible pulp just waiting for me. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, this is beautiful. <laughs> right. But, and I'm not sure how legal that is either. You know, I, I, uh, I had, you know, when I went on my bike ride, I, I had my debit card and my ID in case I needed to just swing by, uh, that, that was not a concern of theirs at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, and, and, and but the thing is there's multiple places doing delivery. Um, you know, growlers, crowlers are a big thing here. Uh, you know, where, where you can get a 32 ounce, you know, can yeah. canned right on site, which is, which is really nice. You know, it's, it's interesting. A lot of the breweries here, um, you know, Boneyard forever said, you know, I'm a brewery. I don't want to be a restaurant. And so, uh, you know, they did the, the crowler thing is great, you know, where you can get a 32 ounces of fresh draft beer canned right, right there on site. So and we, anyway, we've I actually talked a little bit about doing crowlers. I mean, it's still, it's on our radar, but it's probably not right on the top of the list of things we're going to do, but uh, I think that'll happen eventually. Yeah, and what are the squealers you guys talked about, Cody? Is it a is it a mason jar or what? what? I don't know. I just I I'd it, seen you guys advertising growlers and squealers. What's the difference? Is the squealer just the thirty two ounce growler? Yeah, that's exactly okay. what it is. It's just a half a growler. Okay. Well, that's also I mean, we talked about it earlier. I mean, that's the the beauty of the craft beer industry. 
Hey, can you drop off a cheeseburger and a six pack at my front door? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be there when you get back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's the buddy system. Right. <laughs> uh, and yeah. And, and I, I'm almost embarrassed to say it was a $12 six pack, but it was worth it. Hey, that's all right. Yeah. That's, that's par for the course. No, you know what? I, 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 I am curious. So, you know, I, I'm always fascinated by beer trends, right? So the last, last two years at Brewfest, and, and I, I track this as much as I can, um, hazy IPAs have been by far our biggest seller. So we buy, and maybe this is too much info, right? But with the, with the Ben Brewfest, we have about seven, 70 different breweries. We buy at least 12 kegs from everybody. Um, and, and we can track what are the, you know, which keg, blow, you know, which kegs blow first, most sure. popular beers, all that. Right. Um, and so hazy IPAs have been the biggest thing the last two years. Um, I've seen though, just in my beer contacts and, and, and stuff now, it's the low alcohol stuff that is yeah. becoming really popular. The shoots has a, uh, uh, Deschutes has, a, has, has a couple beers. Um, last year they took to Brewfest, they had a 2.7 um, a teeny weeny IPA. Uh, and I don't know if it's a millennial thing. I don't know if it's a, Hey, I, I, I want to be able to drink six beers while I'm mowing my yard or I'm on the river. And um, that's the big trend we're seeing is these real low alcohol beers. I'm curious what you guys are seeing, what interests you guys, you know, what, what are you guys excited to brew? Um, what's, what, what are the beer trends in, in, uh, in, in Kansas right now? So, so I would agree that the trend nationwide is those, are those um i'm gonna call them i'm gonna call them uh fit beers yeah you know, right it's like it's like, the it's world. like your, your michelob ultra you know yeah. they're low calorie they're light they're yep. they're for you know michelob ultra hey come and drink michelob ultra after you get all, done with your 100 mile marathon okay. 100 100 calories yeah right yes you know we're here for you you know drink beer you know I, that's kind of the way i see them I mean, I think that's a trend that will pick up in Kansas that has not quite yet. Um, in Kansas, trends, what would you say? Um, the one thing I think I'm seeing a lot of the breweries in Kansas doing, which we haven't done yet just because of capacity issues, is going back to doing the German-style lagers and cultures. For the American yeah. lagers. Yep. Um, and they take uh, longer, which, right? Which I'm, a, which I'm a huge fan of. There needs to be more lager, high old Pilsner beers, <laughs> craft beers out there. No, 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 I totally agree with this. A, a great, cr- a clean, crisp, yes. right? But they take longer, they take longer in your, in your, Correct. Taste, though, right? Right. Yeah. And see, we're right now, we don't have enough uh, tank capacity to yeah. tie up a tank for 30 days, mm. at least. Yeah. Yeah, at least, you know, yeah. So I mean, that's a challenge for us. But I mean, I we'll we'll do those eventually. But we just got to get more tank capacity at this point. Which, again, talking about it earlier, that could be beers that we easily make on our on a pilot system right. that we can right. Yeah, separate. No, and it's funny when I talk to brewers up here. Those are the beers they always want to make. But they, it's it's funny they've got to pay the bills with their IPAs, and they'll sure. try to make these loggers yeah. and colshes yeah. when they when they can. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of, yeah, reading articles and stuff like that. It's kind of the, you know, test your metal as a brewer. You know, can you make a clean, crisp Pilsner? Yeah, you know? because you can hide so many inefficiencies in a hazy. Uh, right. I'm, not, I'm, I'm a very limited home brewer, 
but based on everything he talked to, right? Like that's that's pretty easy to do. Uh, but you've got to really dial in, right? Your you've got to dial in. Like, like I think, like our Yankee Rose is a blonde ale. I don't think you can hide very much in that beer. But a Pilsner is even even more than that. I mean, you can't hide anything from a Pilsner. Cool. Do you guys have any craft lagers, Pilsners, Kolsch's on tap? Uh, what do I have on right now? No, I don't think I do have any of those on tap right now. Um, trying to run down the. How many IPAs do you have on tap? I've got a hot peak from Breckenridge right now on tap. I think it's my IPA. Um, yeah, you know, and one, one style, kind of talking about styles that were super popular maybe a little while ago, but I think they've really stuck, is sours. Um, well, I, I noticed you guys do the Gosa, right? And, yeah. and it's funny. And again, that's something I feel like brewers really like brewing, right? Yeah. And actually, we've got a collaboration that we did once already, and we've got another one, same, the same collaboration with Sand Hills uh, in a barrel right now. And that was, it's called Blackbird, which if you go back, the Beatles did the Beatles, Blackbird, Blackbird yeah. Um, but uh, it's a uh, Ode Brune, a sour, uh, dark beer. And it first time it came out, it was fantastic oh i'll try that one that was one of our most popular ones uh during the summer was their chickadee from sand hills oh their chickadee is fantastic yeah yeah that one was a that one went over real well down here yeah but yeah we did an ode brew with them again not distributed um they they put a couple kegs on tap down in hutch and we put a couple kegs on tap at uh here in mcpherson and it went fast and it, it's just fantastic but i think sours again I can remember Ian and I went to, it was my first uh, yeah. GABF. And Ian I was telling Cody up. we need to meet up there for this. We should. At where? <laughs> yeah. But he took me to, do you remember what the name of the bar was? It was um, Falling Rock. Falling Rock in uh, Denver. And he goes, we sat down and, you know, and they had, I don't know, 60, 80 beers on tap. Just a ridiculous amount of beers. And Ian says, I'm going to buy you this beer because I want you to try it. So he didn't tell me what it was. <laughs> they bring it to me. I taste it. And I go, this isn't beer. <laughs> and he goes, no, it is. It's, he says it's a sour. It's a sour beer. And <laughs> it, it took me a while. Again, it's kind of, it's that old rabbit hole. You know, right? you, you taste it the first time. You're like, oh, maybe, maybe not. But then you start tasting more and more, and then you hit that slope in the rabbit hole, and then you're down to the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> I believe good. that beer I gave him was a Lopoli from New Belgium. Oh, yeah. <laughs> continually one of the best sour beers, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Out there. So. Now, yeah, am I the only person, when I drink sour, I want it to be hot. I want to, I want to be thirsty when I drink a sour beer, right? I can see that. And, yeah. and usually like 10 ounces. You know, it's out of a sniffer. Right. Drink. Like right. I don't like I could drink. Yeah, you're right. You drink ten ounces of a sour beer when you get done mowing, and then you go, "Okay, yep. I'm ready for uh, uh, Coors Light." That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cody, if you didn't last summer, you need to put Love Shack on tap. I will. I'll I'll talk with my guys and get it down here. Cody, can I can I tell one of my favorite craft brew stories of Cody? This is before this is before legends transitioned into. Uh, I, I know where uh, this you know, is best, going, but yeah, the go best ahead. Craft, you know the best craft brewery. Craft, this was the evo- This is the evolution of everybody. 
Yeah, yeah, so Cody comes out to Bend. I'm super excited to show off our beer culture in Bend, Oregon, right? And so, I mean, I, I, I probably spend $200 of beer in my beer fridge <laughs> so, that, so that Cody has a, a vast rap, a representation of everything that Central Oregon has to offer. And I think I've, I've got to go into work for like maybe 30 minutes and, uh, and I come back and, and he's, he's, uh, he's drinking some beer. I'm like, oh, what what'd you grab? Did you grab the Boneyard? Did you grab the, you know, did you grab the Deschutes uh, Little Squeezy? What, you know, what, what, what are you digging into? And he's like, oh, Bud Light on ice. <laughs> and and I went Wait, to Walmart what? and bought it. Yeah. Wait, what? That, that was not an option. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, put light on ice. <laughs> that was before I'd got to craft. That was before it hit me. It hits everybody different. That's the thing. Once I started putting craft beer on tap here in Pratt, everybody started having that same evolution. They were like, oh, IPAs aren't for me. And then eventually, six months later, they were, you know, like, oh, that's a good one. Where's that one from? You know, it's like, oh, that's, I did the same thing. I went out to the Mecca of craft beer in Oregon and went to Walmart and drank Bud Light, and drank Bud Light over ice, you know, and little did, yeah. I, little did I know how soon I would be, you know, introduced to the craft beer scene. So, so what was your guys's? craft beer that really like got you into craft beer that you tried and you went oh i need to try more of this like for me i started with fat tire like i thought it was really good but then the beer that really pushed me over the edge like that i needed to drink more of this stuff was odell ipa and i saw oh, nice. yep. odell ipa so i'm i'm a little bit older than you Ian, and obviously cody so I moved out to Oregon in 2001 and it, it was with my best friend from, from like fourth grade on. And we move, we move out there and he's like, Eastus, you've got to try this. I don't know what's in it, but it's called black view Porter. Oh! <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I'm in, right. this sounds pretty cool. And it's so the shoots, the shoots was like the, the, was the total entryway for me. Right. Yeah. This is, I'm living in Portland and I'm like, this is amazing. Like when I was in college, I remember we'd get, we'd get a keg of Killian's Red. We thought we okay. were super fancy, right? And, and so I moved out to Oregon, and even though I'm living in Portland uh, for the first four or five years, it was the shoots. It, 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 it totally was. And you know what? And I, and I love going back. I'll still buy six packs of Black Butte because it's amazing. Um, it, it was Black Butte Porter, and it was Mirror Pond. And Mirror Pond, yeah. and, I'll, and I'll stand by this today, is still a great pale ale. Oh, it's, it's like 5%. It's fantastic, right? Uh, so, so for me, it was totally, it was totally to shoots and then for it to come full circle, to move to bend, you know, uh, and, and to hike black Butte, right. And to run around mirror pond, I'm like, Oh, this is so cool. These are the beers that I grew, you know, I grew up right. with. Right. Well, that, well, that's kind of funny because I have a very similar story because I, like I mentioned, I traveled a lot with my job and I used to travel out to Portland a lot. I love I, I was I was into started getting into craft a little bit when it was uh, Boulevard Wheat, mm -hmm. but the, I wanted we had a uh, mill out in Portland, and so I went out there, and I can remember going to a restaurant, and they had Mirror Pond on tap, and I never heard of it, and I said, oh, you know what, I'll try that. Right, when in Rome, right? And that and that was probably the. Uh, the time that I went, wow, this is just, yep. and again, and then when we went, my wife and I went and visited uh, Ben probably five, six years ago and going to Deschutes 
That was just like going to Mecca, man. It was like, <laughs> yeah. it's a, you're going to St. Peter's, right? Right. So, but yeah, that's funny that this juice was really the, the one that put me over the, started me down that rabbit hole too, really, is it was a mirror uh, fun. I mean, I, at that point, I don't think I'd had even had anything dark before in my life. You know, maybe a fat tire, right? Uh, maybe, you know, like, like Amber, uh, fat tire Amber Ale was as crazy as, as I'd gotten to that point. It was it was funny that you said your friend came up and said, "Drink this beer. I don't know what's in it. It's black. <laughs> right. it's I don't know. I don't know, know what, what kind of black magic is. this is. <laughs> I don't know. We'll drink it." <laughs> Cody, what about you? What was the what was the turning point? I don't know. I don't know whether it was the turning point or not, but I remember the first time I drank a something other than just a you know a Bud Light or a a light beer. Somebody got me one of those. I think it was like a Grand Chimay from, you know, it was oh, supposed to be brewed yeah. by monks in. Chimay. Yeah. 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 And I had never seen a beer, you know, corked before, you know, it had, right. it had a cork on it and it was, it was right. a dark beer. And I thought, you know, it was like a $12, 12 ounce bottle of beer. And I, I think I might've gotten it for a Christmas present or a birthday. And I thought, and I drank it and thought, wow, like I didn't know beer could be aged. And I, I, I just always assumed beer was just, crack the can open and drink it. And that, yeah. yeah. So that, that kind of took me down the rabbit hole of, you know, I was like, Oh, I tried this grand chime and it was, it was different flavor than Bud Light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and also I did want to point out, I don't know what college you went to where you're buying Killian's Irish red kegs, but I remember <laughs> my kegs that we bought were old Milwaukee. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, that's, hey, Sterling College, not too far from McPherson. <laughs> I guess it's fancier than K-State. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been fun, guys. I don't know. Do fun. Keep it going or, or wrap it up? I'm fine well, either way. Well, if you guys got more questions, I'm I'm ready to go. But uh, I don't think I don't think I've got any more questions. You guys got any questions for us or for you I know mean, me on the restaurant end or anything like that? Or I, Bo I out there in in I Bend? Think we, I think we hit on. I think you guys hit on everything. I mean, you know what you guys are doing for, you know what's going on and things like that. I mean, I mean, kudos to you guys for running restaurants because I have absolutely zero interest in running a restaurant. <laughs> right. All uh, right. So I mean, that's a that's a beast all in itself. So good for you guys. Um, no, this yeah, this has been fun. I I didn't think we'd go this long, but like I said when I talked to you earlier, we'll just go as long as the conversation lasts. And yeah, it's been fun. All right. So if you guys want to find Three Rings Brewery on social media, here where where do they go, Ian? So you can go on Facebook. You can go on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Three Rings Brewery, Instagram, Three Rings Beer, and you can go on our website, threeringsbrewery.com. Awesome, man. I'm going to plug myself too. If uh, you know, if if these are your listeners listening and they are down in Pratt and they want to check out Legends, we're here at you know on Highway 54. They can check us out at legendsinpratt.com, or they can go to you know our Facebook page. Um, other than that. Man, I, I I really really enjoyed that. This, this was fun. Yeah, this was fun. No, like thank said, you guys. Thank yeah. you guys. Yeah, Bo was nice. Was nice to see you check in from Oregon. And uh, again, Absolutely. if we ever get out there, we'll look you up. Well, thanks guys. I appreciate it. It was a fun podcast, and I hope everybody's doing well. And we'll do it again. Uh, cheers to everybody out there. Thanks Brian and Ian and Bo for everybody else tuning in. That's a wrap.